Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Duop music. It's the harmonized sound of street corner serenades and teenage romance. The irresistible sound that makes you want to snap your fingers, sway your hips, and sing along with those timeless harmonies. The music broke down racial barriers years before the civil rights movement as millions of kids across the country just cared about listening to great music. Some of the most popular groups of the era were Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers, the Drifters, the Platters, Dion and the Belmonts, and more. There were also dozens of one-hit wonders that you still hear today, like Earth Angel and Get a Job. As the 1950s gave way to the 60s, doo-wop began to give way to other styles of music like rock and roll and soul, but its legacy and the music lives on. In this episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're taking a look at the history of doo-wop. So gather around that burning trash can out on the corner. We're going on a music journey that will have you singing shooby dooby doo in no time. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 63. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm behind the mic with my good friend and co-host, the hardest working bartender in Philadelphia, the podcast maestro himself, Ryan McCusker. Are you rocking? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks and McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia, and we're proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You're here. We're here. So let's talk about some doo-wop music. Yeah, man, I grew up on doo-wop, man. I did, too. This is, man, I've been so excited to do this episode. I don't know how many times this the last week and a half we've been, like, messaging each other, like, really excited to do this one. It's going to be really cool. Dude, I think the 50s are my favorite time period of history. Not that every decade had its own problems, but the 50s seemed awesome. The music, man. We did that whole episode on 50s rock and roll 
and we did the thing on breaking down America Pie that talks a lot about the 50s. Just, yeah, musically, man, just an awesome decade. Man, I've been watching movies like American Graffiti my whole life and Grease, and I just have such a, a love for doo-wop music. I can't even tell you how many times I heard my father playing the radio on a Saturday night, and we're like playing checkers and shit, and the doo-wop music's on the radio. That was my house, too. It was always on on the radio. My mom, man, she's in her 70s, and she still goes out dancing a couple of days a week to all this kind of stuff. And I was texting her last night, telling her this is what we're doing. And she's like, oh, my God, I can't wait to listen to it. So the bar's pretty high, and I'm looking forward to it. God bless you, Mom. Yeah. There's no way we're going to be able to cover all this kind of stuff because there's just so much friggin' music. No, but, you know, let's just have fun with it, man. Yeah, we'll hit the highs. You know, I got some pretty interesting stories of some artists that I wanted to talk about. And, you know, there's a ton of music and just listening to this stuff, man, for the last two weeks, I just kept throwing more and more songs on the playlist. Again, I, you know, I doubt we're going to be able to get to it all, but it's all good. Hey, man, they're only three minute songs. So <laughs> that's true. I think maybe we start a little bit of just kind of setting the stage for it. So I watched like a documentary on all this shit. I read a book, this really big compendium on like the history of doo-wop music and he said the doo-wop is really all the instruments of a big band condensed down to four or five guys or girls and i thought it was really cool a lot of these musicians they couldn't afford to go buy instruments so they did all the sounds with their mouths which is just yeah sure this is some of the best harmonies in the history of music right here in this music my dad said growing up in south philly every block had a corner doo-wop band like everybody thought they were like the best singers in the neighborhood. Me and my father tar- start talking about it. And doo-wop is an East Coast thing, man. From Philly to New York to Boston. Baltimore was really big. Yeah. You know, just this whole coast. Southfield alone had plenty of stars that came out in the 50s. Fabian and so many, so many. And this music really comes out of urban communities in the 40s. And you really think about like music after World War II, it's kind of blah, you know, like Rosemary Clooney and Bing Crosby. I mean, Sinatra is on a whole nother level, but you know, like Perry Como and all that other kind of shit. It's real safe. It's real sterile. Oh, all the Kroner stuff. Absolutely. It was safe. And a lot of this doo-wop stuff, man, is before rock and roll. You know, and a lot of this music was about love and relationships. You know, the songs are written by teenagers for other teenagers, which is just, uh, which is part of the appeal of it. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, what else is your audience but teenagers? So you got to write songs for teenagers. Sure. You know, and, and the even the word doo-wop I and mean, a lot of the harmonies are just kind of like nonsense sounds because they're trying to make it sound like instruments. So like, you know, doo-wop is just doesn't really mean anything. It's just like a, a sound. So, you know, bomb, bomb, doo-wop, bop, bop, bop. I was talking to my father and he said the doo-wop saying came from who put the hop and the dop, the dop, the dop, who put the bang and the rang-a-lang a bing bong. That yeah. song. I heard that. I saw a couple other places where it was listed. There was a uh, the first time it was ever in print. It was in an article in uh, the early 60s in a Chicago newspaper about that song Blue Moon. So, yeah, it was just kind of like everywhere. There's some sounds. Some songs where it sounded similar to doo-wop, where they were saying it in the background. But um, and I think it, uh, another thing I was reading, too, like it, it, it's kind of like the soulful version of like the barbershop quartet. Sure. sure. It was more soulful. Yeah, absolutely. 
and the bass and the tenor singer for almost all these songs gets a lot of attention. I have it in my notes. Doo-wop ain't doo-wop without that bass. Oh, no. You need that bass. Absolutely. Play Blue Moon, man. Great song, man. Yeah, that's the one I think of the most when I hear, uh, when I think of doo-wop. That is just timeless, man. It's awesome. I mean, God, I have so many memories of that song. And we're like 46, 47 years old, Bruce. And, you know, this whole golden age was gone by the time we were like 1980s. Guys like Jerry Blavitt kept it alive in Philadelphia. These were oldies when we were kids. So they're really oldies now. I do have a little bit, too, on like the history and where this all evolved from. And, you know, like a lot of other topics i go way down the rabbit hole i won't try to waste a ton of time on it but no i'm interested said it really like it evolved out of like some church groups sure and i had a couple examples one was a church group called the dixie hummingbirds that had a song called hide me in thy bosom i'll play a little bit of that oh jesus hear me praying hear the words i'm saying once my soul was wanted from on high. Oh, with the world of sin around me, no evil thoughts can bind me. Oh, Savior, if you leave me, I will die. Oh, hide me in thy bosom. So you can hear that right there. I mean, that song is from 1938. So I think it's that's a beautiful. New, yeah, man. The, the, absolutely the harmonies and stuff. So that's kind of where it came from. And then like in the 20s, you had this group called the Mills Brothers and the Mills Brothers were a vocal quartet. The one guy used to play a kazoo. And at one point they went to a um, an event or something and they the the guy forgot his kazoo. So he put his hands over his mouth and was trying to make like trumpet sounds with his mouth. And that kind of took off. And the, the guys were all like, that sounds really cool. And they all started doing it. And one guy would be the tuba. One guy would be the trumpet. One guy was the trombone. And then the fourth guy played like a ukulele. So it was just kind of like, you know, again, that's that's in like the 1920s that that's going on. So it's kind of where all this shit started from. And do you then, have a recording of that? Yeah, man, I do. I found a song called Tiger Rag by the Mills Brothers. Check this out. There's also that group, the Ink Spots, in the 30s. They were they were kind of like real early R&B kind of shit. But anyway, 
You know, and like most other forms of music, Black America is yet again responsible for the creation of doo-wop, man. It's Holy like, uh, shit, you're right. You know, oh, we, yeah. We got to think about that for like Black History Month next year. Just, uh, you know, every, every, rock and roll and jazz and the blues and rhythm and blues and hip hop. And now this, man, it's the African-American community in America just built built all of this music. So people were kind of like they couldn't afford instruments, man. So they're singing out on the street corners and they're doing all this kind of stuff. And I guess at one point, some of them started realizing that the street corners didn't sound as good. So they started going into like subways and hallways to get the echo. And like like you were saying, your dad was saying how every corner had a group saying it like they would sing. And because the girls would come and pay attention, whoever was the best singer, they were the ones who get the girls. It was almost like competitive. Absolutely. I mean, every corner had like a trash can filled with fire, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The guys would sit around and singing, you know? And uh, I mean, everybody's seen that opening scene of Rocky when he's walking down the hallway or he's walking down the street and the guys are singing doo-wop in the middle of the trash can. That's like an everyday thing back in the day. Right, that was real. That like that's not just like a that's stereotype a, or cliche. That's how that's they did authentic. it. That's authentic as it gets. Sure, I and mean, yeah, and a lot of these. As I was reading this stuff too, man, was like black radio stations. There were racially segregated radio stations, and the white stations were still playing shit like Rosemary Clooney, and you had to go all the way down the other end of the dial to the black stations to hear all this kind of stuff, like this doo wop music. It was just, uh, it was just really cool. Um, no, it was, it was like what they call the race music, man. Yeah, yeah. Which was and I've bullshit. got, and I've got some stuff about. Well, maybe talk about the the race side of things too, or the business side of things, because a lot of these artists, man, were young; they were teenagers, so their parents even had to sign their contracts. And modern music is so new at this point that there was no like you know royalties and copyright and all that kind of shit just didn't exist yet. So a lot of these oh. guys got. They got hosed really bad. Oh, my God. They all got ripped off. Yeah. And it's also the the race angle of it, too. Um, you know, shit. Some of these, even like you said, this is a largely East Coast thing. And it's more like Northern East Coast. I mean, these guys would go. They'd be huge in, in Philadelphia, New York. And then they would go play in the South. And it's like, you know, the same Jim Crow South where they had to, you know, use the black hotels. And sure. even one, one of the groups were saying, like, um. They would play these venues and they would say, hey, man, you can't look at white people in the audience. You know, like if you're a black person and you look at a white woman in the South, you wind up dead. So yeah. they would like some of these artists would literally like they would perform singing facing the wall because they didn't want to look at the crowd and get killed. And um, unbelievable. And it wasn't right. even that long ago, dude. Right. It's really not like these people are like people that went through this. These musicians so, uh, are still alive. You know, like I watched this documentary called Streetlight Harmonies, and it was really cool. And they were interviewing a lot of these doo-wop guys, and they were talking about this. Or they would go and play in these venues in the South, and the venue would put, like, a rope down the middle of the, like, here's the black side of the audience, and here's the white side. And sometimes the, the kids just, they just wanted to dance, and they didn't give a shit. And they would take the rope down and intermingle with each other. But it's yeah, like, man, uh, fuck that line. Yeah, right. And, um, you know, it was pretty neat when you think about it, because the kids that took that rope down in the 50s in 10 years, they're the 20 somethings that probably march in the civil rights movement in the 60s. Sure. And sure. 
what I another thing, and I know, you know we'll get into the music in a, in a minute, but some of these groups, one thing in this documentary, they were talking about all these African-American doo-wop groups. And when the albums came out, the record labels wouldn't put black people on them like the band, the Flamencos. They're like they put like literally pictures of Flamencos on the cover instead of pictures of us because they would people be like, oh, those are black people like um. And there was a whole list of them like the, the, they were like even like what Fats Domino records were coming out. They wouldn't put Fats Domino's face on the album. That's they would put like fucking bullshit, man. Yeah, dude, there's a there's a whole it's it's not doo-wop, but there was like a one like Dionne Warwick's first album has a picture of a white woman on the cover. Really? And she, and she when she went on tour, people were like, wait, she's black. And uh, I'll send you a picture. They said the time this stopped was um. They did it on a Miles Davis record. And Miles Davis was like, why did you put that white bitch on the cover of my album? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I could see that. Yeah, dude, I had at one point I had found like 10, 10 albums like that by doo-wop artists where they were black. Even though they were doing it like James Brown records, like it continued for a while. But anyway, um, but a lot of these groups, too, man, were like racially integrated. Like there were white groups. There were black groups. There were even like. um you know, like uh, Frankie Lyman and the teenager had like a couple two two of the guys were Puerto Ricans. You know, Johnny Maestro and the Crest were there were some black guys and some white guys. It just uh, it's really cool to hear that in the fifties that that was happening. Yeah, the segregation was happening. It was all about music. It's yeah. a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, I mean, it was the future. You know, it didn't matter what color you were or anything like that. It was just sure if you rocked. You know. Well, and it, and then another thing that happened out of this too with white people was they're saying how like the radio stations wouldn't play it where that record labels would then get white people to record their own versions of these songs and publish them because um, it was like a little safer. Like even that song that we opened with uh, by the Diamonds, that is that's one of the cover versions of it. Oh, really? The original version is by a song called the, uh, by a, grand, a band called the Gladiolas. Here's a little bit of that. That one I don't think is as good. That's no. one I, I like. I like the the remake the one, better. The one we opened up with was better, but there was different versions of like Earth Angel, and there was different versions of like Shaboom is a great one. Like Shaboom was yeah. There's the one by the Chords, and then there was a band called the Crew Cuts that did versions of it, and that just that's just kind of shitty. Um, yeah, the crew it, cuts version? yeah. So like here, here's like. Here's the chords. Life could be a dream. Life could be a dream. Do, 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 shaboom. 
Life could be a dream If I could take you up in paradise up above If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love Life could be a dream Sweetheart, hello, hello again so there's that, and then here's the crew cuts version. Oh, life could be a dream If I could take you up in paradise up above If you would tell me I'm the only one that you love Life could be a dream, sweetheart Hello, hello again Shaboom, and hoping we'll meet again Oh, life could be a dream The crew cuts version's better, I don't know. Uh, I like the chords for I like the original one better. I just think it's got more soul to it. But and you know who's really famous for doing all that, rewriting all that is Pat Boone. Pat Boone man made a career out of just doing these versions of these songs and making a ton of money and pissed well, off you, a lot of the a lot of the artists too. You are suggesting that we do a uh, episode on yes. all the songs he ripped off of. Yeah, yeah, or even just his metal album. That was the best. I really enjoyed that. I listened to a little bit of that this week. I had forgotten how weird that was. but No, but it's like big band with like crazy train. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. The more I read about him and doing all these covers, I was like, yeah, he's kind of, you know, some of these original artists did not think very highly of him for doing that. And, uh, you know, because they didn't get shit. They didn't get any royalties. And some of these guys never, never got paid out of any of this stuff. All right. I got some stories on a couple acts. I love finding these interesting stories of all this kind of stuff and try to keep it to some of the more interesting or the bigger artists. But one group that I thought was pretty important in the 1940s, in the mid 40s, so kind of, you know, before the doo-wop really blew up, there was a group in Baltimore called the Orioles, the, the Baltimore Orioles. They were actually so successful that a lot of the other groups started naming themselves after birds. So I just like, I was looking around. I was like, there was the Cardinals, the Crows, the Flamingos, the Larks, the Penguins, the Wrens, the Falcons, the Swallows. And they have a song called It's Too Soon to Know that's considered one of the very first doo-wop songs in the mid-40s. Here's a little bit of that. Yeah, let's hear it. As me so It's really slow. It's more like crooner kind of stuff, but you can hear where it, you can hear, you know. Oh, yeah. The vocals. Yeah, sure. You play that and then you play, you know, like Shaboom or Blue Moon. You can hear the evolution. You can connect the dots to it. So I thought it was kind of cool. I also thought it was interesting. Their manager was a white woman. And uh, which is pretty rare for the 40s also. All right. So that was kind of them. They're just they're important in all this because so many other bands wanted to uh, emulate them. But I think the biggest doo-wop group out of this era was Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Sure. And I know we were talking a lot the last two weeks about their story and everything else. I mean, their sound is a lot of this doo-wop stuff. Like listen to that song that we just played and then compare it to something like Why Do Fools Fall in Love? They're. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers do up was just it was faster than it was it anything was else. Faster it was it was more rocking. Yeah, here let, let's play it, man, and we'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs>
that is a timeless song. He is one hell of a singer. He's 13, man, when he's singing that. It's God, just, you know, it remind me of Michael Jackson. Yes. Like yes. I read that so that many times, man. Yes. Wow. What a what a soulful sound to come out of a young guy like that. All the other guys in the group were 16 and he was 13 when that song came out in 1955. And then he was he had a little bit of swagger to him, too, for a kid. Like you could see it. I mentioned this in one of the other. I think the 50s rock and roll episode like he would. They went on TV with Alan Freed. He had a TV, a live TV show, and he pulled a white woman up on stage and danced with her. And the show actually got canceled. Because every TV station in the South was like, what the F is, you know, like, again, that like, yeah, that, gets sure. you, that would get you, that would get you killed in part of the countries in part of the country. Oh, I can imagine. But, I mean, shit to jump one TV with the white woman at that time. Right. God, it was pretty cool how they got started. So they were one of those sing, you know, corner groups and the lead singer for a group named the Valentines. The guy lived in their neighborhood, so they would start performing right under his window of his apartment. And he overheard him and got him a record deal. And uh, it was like a couple months later, they were huge. And they had like, you know, it's everybody knows that one song, but it's like, dude, they had they had six top top 10 records in between 56 and 57. Sure. You know, like immediately became huge stars. And then they went on the road in the UK and. Yeah, you know, again, they're they're kids. They're like 16 years old and they're going on the road in England and all this other shit. And, uh, you know, just blew up as like most artists. Money becomes a problem. So their their manager starts getting in Frankie Lyman's ears and telling him, like, dude, you're like, you're the star. You're the star. So the teenagers becomes Frankie Lyman and the teenagers. And then he finally splits in like 57. So it's only like a year and a half after they they get big. He leaves and they never do anything ever again. Like the teenagers actually go and hire a female singer to get somebody with a voice that high. They never do shit. He never does shit. He gets, we're talking a little bit about this leading up to the show. Like he started doing heroin when he was like 15. Wow. One of the, that documentary I was talking about said it was, it was pretty sad, man. Like these artists that used to go on the road with Frankie Lyman and the teenagers would then be playing like the Apollo and he would be hanging around and he would be like asking to bum money off of them because he's all strung out on drugs and shit like that. But what a shame. Yeah. And then I never knew the circumstances. And I knew he died of a drug overdose, but he in like 66 or 50, yeah, 1966, he gets arrested. He gets busted for heroin. And the judge is like, look, dude, you can either go to prison or you can go in the army. And he went in the army and he was clean the whole time he was there. But then when he got out, he a record label was like, dude, we're going to have a comeback. We're going to we're going to try to rebuild your image and your career. And he decided to go out and celebrate by getting high. And he died when he he shot some bad heroin or he, oh, he overdosed while he was celebrating. And he died. Man, that fucking sucks. Yeah, imagine 25, um, imagine 20, all the music. Right. Twenty five years old and then he's dead. So it's just money and drugs. Just, you know, it doesn't it doesn't matter what decade you're in, man. Money and drugs. You know, story of story of music is filled with shit like that. But. There was a movie made about him called Why Do Fools Fall in Love? And it was basically about him having three wives. Yeah, you were telling nothing, me about this. It had nothing to do with him being a junkie. It had nothing to do with anything. It was more like him having three wives and then fighting over the estate. Huh. Yeah, if that's a shame, too. He was a sly guy. All right. So let's, uh, the, let's keep rocking, man. Yeah, dude. So the next band that I had a really interesting story about was the Drifters. 
And yeah, they also wrote so much awesome music, dude. They play a little bit of Saturday Night at the Movies. Great and they also, song. of course, they wrote Under the Boardwalk, too. But here. Sure. I'm going to pick my baby up and take her to the picture show. Everybody in the neighborhood is dressing up to be there, too. Man, I something else you listen to with the headphones on, you just close your eyes and it is it is so smooth sounding. Great tune, man. I never heard that tune until you put it on the playlist. Oh man, the I love the drum, the deep bass drum in that is just awesome. Did you grow up with that song? I you know what, man? No. And I heard that I was I was in a bar in Wildwood, New Jersey, like 10 years ago, and somebody was playing it. I was up on a it was on like an up a second story deck overlooking the canal, Wildwood, and somebody was playing that. And I was like, what is this? And I have one of those apps on my phone that'll like, you know, you can uh, it'll listen to a song and tell you what it is. And I was like, this is Yeah, I was like, dude, this is great, man. So it's I'm, I'm relatively new to it, but I, you know, I, everybody knows under the boardwalk. All right. So I got some notes on their history and this was, I had trouble keeping track of this. So there have been 66 different people in the, in the drifters. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So there was initially a very successful group called Bill Ward and the Dominoes and their lead singer, their lead tenor singer was this guy, Clyde McFadder. Clyde McFadder left that group in 53 and starts the drifters. And that's only important because when Clyde McFadder left this this band, the Dominoes, the guy that replaces him is Jackie Wilson. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So this guy, Clyde McFadder, he gets a large share of the profits from the Drifters. And over the years, he he quits and he sold his stake to the manager. Their manager is this guy, George Treadwell. So this left the manager getting all the profits in the group. And everyone else only got $100 a week, which is like about $1,000 a week in 2021 money. Which is, which is shit, considering how big they were, right? And that's kind of why this band has had 66 different people, because they were always on the road. And people were like, dude, the pay sucks. I'm out. This is where it gets weird. So like in 58, the Drifters are playing a bunch of shows at the Apollo with another group called the Five Crowns. And the Drifters weren't really doing much. Their career had stalled out. And one of the guys in the band gets really drunk, and he curses out the owner of the Apollo. And their manager goes, you know what, guys? I've had enough. F you, you're all fired. And he turns around to this other group, the five crowns. And it was like, you guys are now the drifters. And they changed their wow. name and they become the, they become the drifters. And that was what Benny King, that's where he enters the picture. The guys who got fired, they go on the road and they call themselves the original drifters. And they're still touring. These new guys are kind of like the new drifters. And eventually Benny King, he quits the band over money because he wants royalties and all this other kind of stuff. So now there's multiple groups calling themselves the Drifters touring. And fast forward to 1964. This is pretty wild, too. So they're getting ready to record Under the Boardwalk. And it was they were supposed to have two guys in the band. We're going to alternate doing one verse each. And guy Rudy Lewis and this guy Johnny Moore. Rudy Lewis dies the night the night before they're supposed to go into the studio and the band instead of going we got to cancel it they're like well we already got the studio booked yeah 
And they go and they do it. And the one guy sings all he's like, well, I'll sing his part, too. And it becomes their biggest, you know, their biggest hit. Wow. Um, but eventually, all these other people that leave the drifters all start their own versions of the drifters. So at some point, there was like dozens of different groups all calling themselves the drift, like the drifters legends, uh, the drifters featuring Doc Green, Clyde McFadder's drifters, the new drifters. And they all start suing each other over the rights. Of, and I, we don't have the time to get into all that. But anyway, and uh, there's actually laws now. Certain There's 34 states have a law called the Truth in Music Advertising that you can't use a band's name unless there's like at least one person associated with the group in it. And it was because of the drifters. Cause all these people were like, Oh cool. The drifters are coming and you go see them and you're like, like, who is this? You know, it's like some dude who was in the band for six months or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, it's, it's a rip off. And there's, there's a couple times, man, where there's um several of these like dozens of different acts all using the same name going on the road. It's, it's crazy. Another group I had an interesting story about was the platters. So another sure. another another classic great band. Yeah, what do we got on here from them? Smoke gets in your eyes. They ask me how I knew my true love was true. Cannot be denied. Classy, oh. timeless, awesome. One I, of my favorite. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Smoke awesome. my eyes, bro. Oh, yeah. I love Jerry Garcia's version of that song. Yes. Yes. He did it for a movie with, uh, so I think it was a movie called Smoke. Anyway, so the Platters are another group that get totally hosed by the music business. So their manager was this guy named Buck Ram, who was a lawyer and had experience with the music industry. And he was also managing the Penguins. And the Penguins wrote that song, Earth Angel. Mercury Records wanted to sign the Penguins after Earth Angel was a huge hit. And this guy, Buck Ram, was like, well, you can sign them, but you got to sign this other band I managed called the Platters or No Deal. And so the Mercury signed to both. The Penguins never did shit ever again. Wow. So this guy, this guy, their manager, Buck Ram, he incorporates the band, which I don't think many people did at the time. And everybody in the band owns 20% and they get royalties and all this other kind of crap. However, as people were leaving the band, this dude would buy out their share. So by like the late 60s, all the other people in the band, all the originals were gone and he owned the name and all the royalties and all the money. And, you know, the original people were going on tour as the original platters, but this guy was getting all the royalties and shit. So, and one article I read, so there were over at some point there would have been over a hundred different groups touring that used the platter's name, which is just like I was like, am I reading that right? There's a hundred there have been a hundred groups calling themselves the platters that aren't the platters. Crazy. And, it, and it's all because of this one guy? Because of like because of this one dude that kind of owned the name and that there was no royalties. And I don't think the guy gave a shit if somebody else was touring using their name. And the original people had no repercussion because they didn't legally own the name to the band anymore. Right. Crazy, crazy. So, all right. Uh, I got some other interesting on here. The coasters. The coasters were another cool one. Yeah, you may, you probably know this song. Let me play a little bit of it. Take out the papers and the trash. Are you? Don't go back. Just finish cleaning up your room. 
bad. You just put on- great song it's like yeah. the first aggression man like let's go fucking 70 miles an hour and just rock it's definitely do up it's like some rock and roll that you could very easily call that an early rock and roll song as much as the do up song and the yeah and, you know, the guy singing bass is just awesome too another band where there's been like 20 different people <laughs> singing with this group or you know people going on tour their music is a little different too because it, it's always got a little bit of humor in it you know that song's kind of funny they've had a couple songs that just yeah. have some some sense of humor in it so they were yeah like they wrote that song charlie brown you know charlie brown he's a clown or poison ivy sure yeah sure cool stuff what else talked about the flamingos a little bit earlier they had a song called i'll be home so this was one of the albums that when it came out they put pictures of the bird on the cover instead of the people but um I thought it was interesting to hear compared to the coasters because they're really smooth and kind of sophisticated sounding. So here's a little bit of I'll Be Home. I'll be home Please wait for me We'll so beautiful that's a great way to describe this a lot of this music too it was just beautiful it's pure you know it's like not a lot of instrumentation going on in the background maybe you hear a saxophone you hear the snare drum going but the vocals man it's like the last thing that i can remember being such a vocal group it was boys the men the documentary i watched they had a couple of the guys from in sync on it and they were talking about how much they love all this music and they try to incorporate some harmonies and that kind of stuff but yeah boys to man is a great example of that the harmonies are carrying it you know it's not uh you're not throwing it in a studio and running it through auto-tune you know it's like the production value you're using 50s quality production so there's not you know, the, the the artist and the music's got to carry it which is yeah that just makes it really cool they were using real the real tape you know, it's like one take and that's it. Hardly any overdubs whatsoever. It's like it's just uh, it's authentic sounding. It's just so real sounding. Sure. And I think that's also a product of where we grew up. You know, like I said, we grew up hearing this stuff all the time. So, you know, it just immediately makes me think of being a kid and my parents or my grandparents listen to this stuff all the time. But do you, you think know. it's something you take for granted? Um. Yes, because I think I rarely slow down and listen to this music and then really appreciate just how great it is. Yeah, it captures a time in America before JFK got killed. You know, the world was like before all that shit. This book I was reading, this uh, it was called Doop: The Music, The Times, and the Era. It's like a coffee table book, but it's edited by Cousin Brucey, the famous radio DJ. And uh, it had like some stuff on like all these different, you know, there's, I don't know, this book is 400 pages long. I got it in front of me. It's like 400 pages long. And I'll have like a sidebar with maybe like a hundred words about an artist and, you know, groups that I'd never heard of. And I went back and I was listening to a lot of this music and I'm like, so much of this shit is just lost to time. Like you gotta be, you know, everybody knows Frankie Lyman, you know, the, the top level stuff, but all this stuff I was listening to, I'm like, man, this stuff is great. And I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's just kind of forgotten about. So I, th- I guess, dude, I think you do take it for granted. It's like lost out there until like 
dorks like us like search for it. That's the one thing that I love about the show. I get to learn so much different kinds of music, you know, and maybe I did take this music for granted, but then break it down. It's it's very complicated, man. It is. And when you list, you know, you can look at music as a lens to learn about like history. You know, you can listen to this and be like, okay, well, a lot of these guys were doing acapella because they couldn't afford instruments because it was the fifties and you know, the economy and racism and all, you know, or you can look at this in terms of the civil rights movement is coming 10 years later. You can look at it with anything you said it's before JFK and it's post-World War II. And it's just, it's really cool. I love doing these kind of historical episodes where we're taking a trip back and you just kind of, I don't know. I guess with any of this shit, dude, you got to kind of step back a little bit and just think about like what else was going on in music and the world and politics and with people and all this other kind of stuff. Man, in the 50s, sound like it was dope. I'm, I mean, I'm sure everybody had their problems in the 50s and whatnot, but it seemed like such a great way of living. One income can like support take care the family. Of family and Everybody's got a car and in the driveway, and it just seems like it's a it was a wonderful time and period, man. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, we can say that as middle class white people. You know, there's always, but you're right, and no matter what era, there's always some group that's taken taken it on the chin. Sure, um, yeah, but I agree, dude. It's a really interesting time, and just. In terms of pop culture, dude, you know, you got like TV is starting and Elvis and rock and roll and the suburbs and like comedy yeah. was new. The honeymooners were new, you know, yeah. Uncle Uncle Milton was new. You know, the like, world. Right. The world is kind of taking a deep sigh because the war is over. You know, I know you got Korea in the 50s, but still, you know, it's uh, well, and you also have like the threat of nuclear war. In Eisenhower, I don't know. There's just there's so much you could sit here and talk about this shit forever. Like what was going on in the fifties and this coffee table book I was reading had some cool shit. Like they would talk about bands, and then they would be like, "Oh yeah, and here's you know James Dean," and they'd have a little thing, or here's what was going on with like movies and fashion and shit like that. It was really cool. But sounds like a wonderful time to be alive. Yeah, very interesting time, man. All right, I got another uh, the Penguins. I had them on my list too. It was the last act that I really had a whole story on. And their song Earth Angel, another uh, you know, huge hit, was also big on the charts in the 80s from Back to the Future, because that's what they're playing. Sure. Yeah, dude. Here, let me play a little bit of it. Earth Angel, will you be mine? My darling dear, love you all the time. I'm just a fool. Awesome, man. Oh, yeah. my God. It's heartbreaking. The harmonies in the background, and they're not like real forward in the mix. Just really cool. So soft and delicate. And yep. Yeah. Delicate is a great really, way to describe it because of the lack of instruments. Yeah. And they're so soft in the background, and it's almost like they're whispering. Yeah. that They were teenagers when they cut that, and that's actually a demo 
And I was reading, they said, if you listen to the beginning of it, it sounds a little weird because the, um, the first five seconds of the recording were actually cut off by mistake. Let, let me just play the first like eight seconds. They cut this in somebody's garage and they were going to be like, they were going to re-record it. And they were like, no, 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 this is, uh, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to play. And it was initially, it was a B-side to another song and a DJ in LA would play. We started playing both sides, like the A-side and the B-side. And so many people were calling in going like, dude, what was that Earth Angel song? And they were on like an independent record label. So the record label almost went broke trying to go back and keep printing all these copies because the song just exploded. They never did another thing. They never had another hit. That's amazing. I mean, all these one hit wonders, man. Not to judge it by Spotify, but like Spotify, Earth Angels got 57 million plays. The A side to that was a song called Hey Senorita. It has like 1.7 million. And it's I couldn't wow. tell you. I couldn't tell you another another song by the Penguins. I'm sure there's not many. No. Yeah. They just never really took off. That was kind of it, man, that I had on like the the interesting stories. But yeah, we've got a million other songs on here we could talk about. Why don't Um, we take a little break, bro? And then we'll come back and play a bunch of tunes. Yeah, dude, let's do that. And let's run through everything. All right. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Chunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by Boldfoot Socks. We're proud to have them on board with us and the rest of the Pantheon podcast family because they're good people who make a great product. You know, with a lot of products being made by God knows who and God knows where from God knows what, every single pair of Boldfoot Socks is made in America using materials that was grown in America. 
On top of that, they're a veteran-owned business that donates 5% of the proceeds to veteran charities. So we're so happy to support them and have them support us. So go check them out at boldfoot.com. All right, man. So let's get back into some doo-wop stuff. I we've got, I don't know how many songs we got. I'm sure we've got like 40 different songs on this playlist, dude. We could play any of this stuff, man. Is there something you want to hear you want to talk about? Or you want to start dude, going just through the go list? down the list? Just fucking surprise me, man. All right. So how about the elegance little star? That was a big hit. Another uh it's a one-hit wonder, but this group is worth noting because they're a white guy. They're all white guys from Staten Island. Here you go. Where are you? beautiful yeah i think the white a lot of the white groups yeah i'm making a really broad generalization here but so yeah there there is a little bit more it seems like a little bit more soul in some of the black groups that are doing this kind of stuff but you know that's my real you want to hear some soul like dion and the belmonts man yeah dude yeah he's got some soulful pipes yeah i you know what dude and i did have them on my notes here you go i wonder why Beautiful. I have to look on YouTube, see if I could find that with the instrument stripped out so you can only hear the vocals. That's got to sound amazing. Oh, Dion was the man. Yeah. And he's, Dion's a Philly, a, he's a Philly guy. He's a Philly guy. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but the Belmonts are not, which I which is weird. Um, well, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. Yeah. They got their name because everyone either lived on or near Belmont Avenue in the Bronx. You're right, dude. Another great example of this stuff. And you know what? As I'm looking through the playlist and I played that song by the Flamencos, I should have played this one. Isn't this him? Yeah. Shame on me for oh, not playing man. that as the example, man. I played that other song we have on here, but yeah, shame what on me. That's a great that... song, man. The beginning of it is where it's at. The echo as they're doing the back of the shabop up is just, man. How about get a job? Oh, uh, get a job is great, dude. The silhouettes. Silhouettes. Oh, 
I had that song stuck in my head all day yesterday. Oh, uh, dude, it's swinging. Yeah. Swinging, baby. Little Anthony, the Imperials. We didn't talk about them. They're another really big group in this whole thing. I didn't go too far reaching out all their uh, all their songs. They had Tears on My Pillow was a big song. And there's an echo there that we haven't heard on anything else yet. Sounds like they're probably yeah. just singing. Yeah, you know, they're just singing in a in a big room or something. It's got to be what a it bathroom is. Bathroom or some shit. Yeah, hallway tile. or not something that's absorbing the sounds. Well, you know what, too? Before I get into that, you know, so a lot of this other music is coming from on the playlist is off the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Great soundtrack. Yeah, just something I just noticed. In the Still of the Night by the Five Satins. That's from... Uh, one of the from the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. Here you go. I just keep having the same reaction over and over again. Like, oh, man, this is so good. It doesn't matter what generation you grew up in. You hear this music and it just takes you back to your childhood. Yeah, it's very much like Motown in that it's just timeless. And I agree, no matter what type of music you're listening to, you should enjoy this. Not for nothing, this shit is better than Motown, in uh, my opinion. I don't know about that to, from my end, but I, I think that Motown is kind of like this stuff grown up and it's a little bit more sophisticated, but they're, I think they're different too, though, but this is know. more fun though. I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it, yes, I agree. It doesn't have that. We talked a little bit about like Barry Gordy putting the artist through like kind of like a finishing school kind of, kind of stuff on Motown. It's I, don't, like, I, I feel like these guys are raw. Yes, absolutely. By the time Motown starts in the late fifties, early sixties, this stuff's already been around for almost 10 years. So, you know, they got the got the advantage of uh I guess Motown had the advantage of time, but yeah, Motown definitely builds on top of this. Dude, play lollipop. Yes, yes. The cordettes. Lollipop, lollipop, oh lollipop, 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 So many of these songs that we're playing, I was like, oh, right. This is the classic doo-wop song that I think of when I think of doo-wop. No, no, no. This, this, this is the classic doo-wop I think of. Like, you know, the, the get a job, the bum, 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 or this, oh, with yeah. the, um, you know, the hand clapping and the sound of the, uh, the, the, that sound and awesome, awesome stuff. All right. Let me keep 
looking through the playlist, man. I'm just going to start going through it a little bit and see what we got. You put At the Hop by Danny and the Juniors on here. That's also another song that doubles as like a rock and roll. It's got a rock sound to it, and it's got a kind of a doo-wop vibe. Let's play a little bit of that. Great song, man. Yep. Uh, the Book of Love. That's another classic. Oh, great song. Yeah, dude. we get that. The monotones. And, you know, I don't. I know a lot of this music, but a lot of these artists, like these one hit wonders, I was like, I don't know who sings a lot of these. Yeah. Until we started uh, putting them on the playlist. I just, you know, I just don't remember a lot of the, the names of these these artists. No, because you know the songs. Yeah. Here you go. Tell me, tell That's a great example of doo-wop because it's got the harmonies and it's about romance and yeah, you know, the the topic is on point. The music is there. It's all kids stuff, man. They're writing songs about kids. I mean, that was their audience. Yep. A lot of this early music, the early music of the 50s just doesn't, um, you know, it doesn't you don't have like the social justice in it that. Yeah, you know, like rock and roll, you know, Crosby, Stills and Nash singing Ohio or, you know, any of that other kind. It's just not here yet in any of this music. This is just about having a good time. It's just about fun stuff. Oh, you know who What I want to play? The Turbans. Oh, yeah, sure. The Turbans were they were a Philly group and they couldn't think of a way to make themselves stand out. So they called themselves the Turbans. And these five guys all wore turbans on their heads when they said they were five. They were all. You know, African-American guys. Here's when you dance. Oh, when you dance, be sure to hold her, hold her tight. When you dance, you'll squeeze her, yeah, with all your might. Such a thrill. Oh, when she's close to you. I just thought it was kind of funny that they had they wore those goofy ass outfits, you know, just uh, to, just to be noticed. Yeah, yeah. How about breaking up is hard to do? Breaking up is hard to do. Neil Sedaka, here you go. Come on, come on, down, do be do down down. Come on, come on, down, do be do down down. Breaking up is hard to do. Don't take your Listen to that with with the headphones on the the echo or the 
yeah um, the harmonies in my left ear and the music the instruments are in my right that that's awesome sounding again i suggest all of our listeners go out and buy a pair of headsets so we can see what we're talking about yeah any one of these um you know go back and li- anything that you think you've listened to a zillion times go back and get a head put it put some headphones on and listen to it and you chances are pretty good you're going to experience in a completely different way and hear things that you've never heard before it's just a it's a really cool experience duke of earl duke of earl you've read my mind yeah you go look at that gene chandler As I, I through this world Nothing can stop a You are my girl, and no one can hurt you. Oh no, yes I. I love the little the little touch of the saxophone in the beginning of that. Everything about that song is beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I keep on saying the same thing over and over again, but compared to today's rock and roll and shit, you know, this is a breath of fresh air for me to hear some melody and something that's beautiful. I'm I'm reading a book right now called like uh Modern Music Stinks or something like that. It was some uh a book of essays about music and you know, yeah, I totally agree. There's a man. good song in here that I like. Yeah, what do you got? It's called Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Yeah, the Collegians. I don't know this one. Let's check it out. That's in, that's that's Blue Moon, is it? So we just heard that. Uh, here. Wow, that's the same song, man. No wonder I like Zoom 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 so much. It's the same. Yeah. Song. <laughs> which which one came out first? Huh. Yeah, Zoom Zoom came out first. Zoom 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 came out before Blue Moon. Said it was influenced. Hmm. Look at that. We just kind of uncovered something. I, you know, I hadn't really, I didn't listen to that song in the playlist before uh, we did this episode. Oh, interesting. Huh. Look at that. Learn something. Uh, Johnny Maestro and the Crest, 16 Candles. We didn't play that. Johnny Maestro, dude, was another big name in doo wop. They're also a racially integrated group, the Crest. You know, Johnny Maestro was a white dude, but the other, the backing musicians are not. You know, cool. That's very cool. What else, man? I think we might have. Uh, wait, the Moon Glows, sincerely. We didn't play. I don't think we played that. Ooh. 
That's like a sitting in the backyard on a yeah. summer afternoon kind of music. Right above that on the playlist, we had Since I Don't Have You by the Skyliners. Yes. Some of these songs you hear at like weddings and to God, me it was yeah, like, dude everywhere. Know, the, yeah, the Philadelphia phenomenon of the block party too. You know, where they would I I don't know if that's a Philly thing, but they would you know, people would have big no, barbecues, like your whole block would have a barbecue, you'd get a permit to actually shut Absolutely. down Absolutely. shut down the street. You'd park cars and block the street at either ends and everyone have a party at once and you'd hire a DJ and it'd get like, you know, the bounce house and everybody would come out in the street together and yeah, it's really I, it's really awesome. You know, I always and, remember. I always remember hearing this music at any of those growing up. Dude, I got one more song for us. Yes, sir. Before we move on. Yep. What do you got? How about "Good Night, Sweetheart"? Good night, sweetheart, by the Spaniels. Yes. Good night, sweetheart. It's time to go. Good night, sweetheart. I have a note on that. So Shanana used to always close with that. Oh yeah. And they had that oh, TV yeah. show. And I mentioned that um that law, like there's all these uh, states that have a law about uh, truth and advertising. Like you can't say, oh, you and I can't go on the road and say we're the drifters. That law was largely put in place by Bowser from Shanana because he had guys from like, I think it was the drifters or they were on his show and they were talking about like, man, we're getting ripped off. All these acts are going out. And and Bowser from Shadana kind of made it his thing to try to get all this law these laws passed so these guys didn't get ripped off. I had that in my notes and didn't want to get too far down it, but we just played that. And I always think of the Shanana version when they they would always close their show with that. I love Shanana back in the day, man. Bowser was the man. I thought they were a joke when I was younger. Of course I, they were. They were like a variety show. Yeah, but, but I you I, know it was I better than Yeehaw. I love Yeehaw. But yeah, dude, I, I appreciate them a little bit more now. I thought they were kind of like a novelty act. But, you know, they were also doing all this kind of this shit. And they were, you know, but I, I, I the, like them. But look at all the culture that this era made, like all these movies like Grease and Happy Days. You were talking Happy on. Days. Oh, my yeah. God. And Peggy Sue got married and. All these old, old movies that were set in the 50s, man. Sure. Even like the James Dean movies, man. Yep. Go back and watch that shit. 
and I guess, yeah, as quickly as this stuff, it was only really big for 10 years and it kind of faded out. You know, the British invasion did a big thing to get rid of it. And sure. Rock and roll takes off. Um, yeah. Chuck Berry just came in and destroyed everything. Yeah. AM radio start like FM radio takes off and starts to become popular. That kind of overshadows it. And then like albums come out instead of just singles. So that becomes a big thing. And some of the music evolves, you know, like the Beach Boys start doing harmonies and um, um, dude, the, the Beach Boys fucked the whole doo-wop era up. It took it to a my, whole nother level. You know, I love the Beach Boys. They were my favorite album favorite groups of all time i i said they're one of my favorite american rock and roll bands but damn didn't they rip off the whole doo-wop theme you know in my favorite 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 movie the american graffiti the one guy goes the chick goes don't you think the beach boys are the boss and he's like man rock and roll died when buddy holly died yeah yep and then yeah, and for the black artists, it spins off into Motown. But you're right, dude, that there are still parts of this around. And Boys to Men are a great example of that. Or you, know, you can't listen to um, like shit like Destiny's Child or any of that other stuff. You know, they they were really big into harmonies and stuff like that. And that's it came out of this. This this was peak harmonies in music. Yeah, uh, I cannot disagree with you, brother. Yes, sir. All right, man. You want to move on to the back end of the show? I got all kinds of other shit we can talk about. Let's hear that background music. All right. We got some second thoughts on Kid Rock. So first was Josh from Boldfoot Socks. He said, guys, the Kid Rock episode was awesome. I'm a huge Kid Rock fan, so I don't think he sucks, but I do understand the cheesiness about him. I think you guys need to do two podcasts, your traditional discussion of all the different music topics, and then a shorter one on does this artist suck? You probably don't have the time for that, but I think your listeners would love that content. Thanks again for everything you guys have done for us. Thank you, man. Yeah, you you the man. You the man. I wrote him back, said totally agree about Kid Rock. I agree. I think uh, some 15-minute content on does certain artists suck would be really interesting. I also agree. I don't know if I would have the time to do that. My wife would probably kill me. We'll put it on the list. We also got an email from Jackie from Seattle. We haven't heard from her in a while. She wrote in on our Jackie! Always good to hear from her. She wrote in on our episode on John Williams. Said, hey, Bruce and Ryan, first off, I couldn't believe my eyes when I saw the episode title. John Williams, hell yeah. How does that much beauty come out of the heart of one man? I don't get it. His music levels up what it means to, quote, escape to the movies. I saw all of those when they opened in theaters back in the day, especially Jaws, man. That's all anyone talked about that whole summer. People lost their damn minds. And I love this quote from Ryan. Superman can't fly without that song. That made me cry. And this hella funny sick burn from Bruce taking a shit in your Easter basket. LOL. You guys are the best. <laughs> Kisses, Jackie from Seattle. Thank you, Jackie. Awesome. Always good and, to hear from her. And Superman cannot fly without that music. Oh, no. Absolutely. We had a bunch of other people on Kid Rock chime in on YouTube. We uh, the, the feedback was overwhelming that Kid Rock does not suck. So Andy Christian 7629 said, hell no. Kid Rock is amazing. I've seen him four times in Toronto. I saw him with Aerosmith and Run DMC. Three Mad Amps said, I love Kid Rock. How about you guys do a show on does the prisoners of rock and roll suck? I say so. Uh, <laughs> it's fucking great. Yeah, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> I love it. Love it. 
So then we just got a bunch of other stuff on Kid Rock and people just overwhelmingly saying that they like him. So I thought it was interesting, but you know, I guess if people don't like him, they're not going to listen to the show we did on Does He Suck or Not. It's it's not like he fully sucks, like I said last time. I just think he's full of cheese and he just doesn't shut up. That's you, my biggest deal with him. I was driving into work this morning. I had to go in the office and I was listening to the country station, the highway on Sirius. And Nelly, remember him? Like the rapper sure. that the, sure. he was on, he was on the morning show talking about how he's starting to do more country influence kind of shit. And uh he did a song with I think it was Tim McGraw like 10 years ago. But I was like, Yeah, oh, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. But it was interesting to hear him talking about like it was really cool. He was like, yeah, man, I just uh, I've always liked that kind of music and I've been around long enough. Now I can like I can kind of do things that I want to. I was like, all right, cool, man. I'll, I'll go look that up. I'll curious. I'll hear what it sounds like. It made me think about Kid Rock and changing his sound and everything else. And uh, yeah, we'll see if people start yelling that Nelly was a, a sellout. He was like, yeah, man, I used to go out and play venues and i would have dmx opening for me now i go out and i've got like all these country artists opening for me he's like it's just way different lifestyle i thought it was but, interesting but does he still wear that band-aid underneath his eye that's exactly what i said in the car i was driving my wife into work before i went in i was like that's the question i want to know is he wearing the wearing the band-aid i'll have to look and see if there's a youtube video of it of him of his performance that's his trademark yeah all right i got three stories for music news the first one willie nelson turned 90 yeah and he had an all-star concert at the hollywood bowl in california with like snoop dogg of course steven stills and neil young bobby weir chris stapleton roseanne cash chris christopherson gary clark jr tom jones ziggy marley george Strait, and more so yeah awesome man there must have been a cloud over that motherfucker yes a friend of mine uh that a guy i work with flew out there and went to that i i next time i I can't wait to see him and ask him God, the uh, what, second what he had like. smoke itself. <laughs> I've got some more stuff on Mick Mars and Motley Crue. We mentioned this like real quickly last week that they're suing each other. And I kind of did a little bit of reading of what was going on. A few months ago, he said that he was no longer touring with the band due to his ongoing health issues. And Motley Crue is set up as a, as a business. And Mick Mars owns 25% of that. And the band is suing McMar saying, well, dude, when you said you're not touring anymore, you're, you quit the band. And so you forfeit your stake in the band. They said, uh, tell you what, dude, we'll give you, we'll give you 5% of the proceeds for this tour and uh, get the fuck out of here. And McMars is like, no, 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 dude. Like one, no. And two, he's like, I didn't say I was quitting the band. I just said, I'm, I can't go on tour anymore. Like, you guys going to go do a residency in Vegas. I can do that. Or if you guys want to record new music, I can do that. But I physically can't go on the road. Yeah, man, and he's deteriorating. So the rest of the guys in the band were like, no, like, dude, we don't we don't go in the studio anymore. We're a road band. So you by saying you can't go on the road, you quit. So now they're suing each other. And it, it's can I getting, say can I yeah, say please. something? Yeah, please. Johnny Five fucking sucks. The guy that replaced him. Johnny Five fucking sucks. I don't get it. I don't care about him. I think it's a disgrace that he's joined Motley Crew. And but that's that's my two cents. Yeah, sure. And it's sad because now that they're all suing each other, it's getting ugly. You know, Mick Mars has been like Nikki Six has been a uh, he's like he's been an asshole and bullying me about my guitar playing for years. Nikki Six has publicly said the band has been carrying Mick Mars for years. And Get now the fuck out of here. I know. 
And then Mick Mars has come back and been like, hey, guy, by the way, you know, you want to start kicking me out. I'm the only one. I'm not a junkie. You know, I wasn't the one who killed somebody for drunk driving. You guys are all convicted felons and I'm I'm not. And yeah, Mick Mars has now said that the guys and he's the only one. He's like, I'm the only one that played live all the time in the show. He's like every other one of these motherfuckers was um, was playing. Like, pre- yeah, playing. Pre- yeah. He's like, I remember putting my headphones in and what I was hearing coming into my headphones was not what I was playing in my guitar. So now yeah, he's I saying mean, like he said, Tommy the, uh, Lee, Tommy Lee was not playing along with his fucking drum tracks um, recently, which he jumped off the tour. Yeah, um, when he got hurt. He got he's a fucking pussy. Yeah. I don't want to hear it. And he's he said, pussy. so Mick Mars is accusing them now, of like, yeah, they're ripping people off. And he said the 36 shows on the last tour were the 36 worst concerts I've ever, the 36 worst gigs I've ever played. And he's like, and that level of unprofessionalism is why he wanted to quit touring. So that's going to continue, dude. And that shit's just going to get ugly. So Johnny Five sucks. Yeah. All right, I got one other song. Did you hear about this um this new Drake in the weekend song? No. You know people have been using like artificial intelligence to like write things for them or you can go on to like there's like these websites now you can type in like make a photograph of so and so doing so and so and a computer will like generate it. Well, okay. This guy, this TikTok user named Ghostwriter used some sort of artificial intelligence to write a song by Drake in the weekend. I'll play a little bit. Of, I don't know their music, but I'll play 30 seconds of it. I guess that's what a Drake sound sounds like, but that's not Drake. That's a computer imitating Drake's voice. And it sounds awful, dude. And but the song sounds like a real collaboration. So this guy uses artificial intelligence to like learn their voices and then wrote these lyrics and had the computer sing it as if it was him. And they said the song went so viral. It got like hundreds of thousands of plays in a couple of days. They said it actually probably would have made the billboard chart. It got so many listens, except it's it's complete bullshit. It does, it's not real. Who gets and paid then, for that shit? That was why I wanted to talk about this. So then Universal Music Group got a hold of it. They found out. They heard it. And they had it all taken down from everybody. But it was on like Spotify. And this dude who, this TikTok user who made this, his username is Ghostwriter. And we don't know who he is. But he just said like he was a ghostwriter for songs, for record labels. And he's like, I did this for years and I never made shit. So I'm going to start making up all these songs. So this is where it gets weird is like, they said they were t- they took it down because the music is a has a sample of something else that's copyrighted. But if it didn't, and if it was all original music, if you go like, "Yo, that just sounds just like Drake's voice," like, could you copyright that? I you know what I mean? Like, so. like you can can you copyright the way somebody's voice sounds? Like, if somebody, I don't know, man, dude, listen to us and use the computer to make something sound like us. So like, is the sound is the way we talk? Or like even like taking Elvis's voice and like right. fucking with it. Right, right. So and and that's where it's gonna get really weird. So Universal Music Group has now been asking all these um like Spotify and YouTube and Apple Music, like, yo, don't let these artificial intelligence programs like 
scan all the music and learn these voices. Right. So what's the difference? Well, you can say like, oh, dude, here's a new Roy Orbison album. And you have a computer jet make the music and the in the sound. You know, it's like, yeah. so they have no control over their their voice. It's, it's going to be really interesting to hear where that comes from. And I was even thinking like, um, in my regular job, I do a lot of around like intellectual property. And we work with a, uh, a couple intellectual property attorneys. And one of them, her her wheelhouse was about like music copyright. And I'd be like, I I don't know if she would ever come on the show, but I would love to hear her opinion. Like, what's your legal opinion? Like, where is this all going? Because the music industry also sucks when it comes to keeping pace with technology, right? Like they were trying to fight against Napster and it wound up like, sure, you know, putting the music stores out of business or the digital streaming. And like they couldn't figure all that shit out. And it killed like, you know, Sam Goodies and crap like that. So tower and all. Yeah. 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 Really interesting, dude. Like what? Yeah. What's going to be like, oh, well, here's the new Smashing Pumpkins album, but none of them actually recorded anything. Somebody, a computer did it. And then who approves that? You know, like if I Springsteen sold his music catalog or anybody sold their music catalog, can then the music can the music company then use a computer and start making new Springsteen album? I don't know. Crazy, man. Yeah. The future's now. All right. All right. Let's move on to the electric chair. That's where we kill a song for being absolutely terrible. And I do have something this week, man. And in honor of us doing the do up episode and the fact that we were talking a little bit about white people doing versions of these great songs and some of them were okay. But I wanted to kill the version of Why Do Fools Fall in Love by the Diamonds. And I know we opened the show with the Diamonds doing Little Darling. This version of this has absolutely no soul to it that um, that the Frankie Lyman version does. Particularly this part coming up right here. That's awful. It's really bad. It sounds... It's so... And it goes on and on and on. I was like, holy shit, this is terrible. Man. Yeah, we talked a lot about all these uh, these groups making their own versions because they're safe and they could be played on white radio. I, yeah. Stupid. Yeah, dude, no good, man. It's really terrible. Let's just kill it and get the fuck out of here. We sentence you to death. So lame, dude. Did, uh, you know, people were just afraid to put those the original African American, the black versions on radio. So they had white people make these crappy versions of it. So. It wasn't even that long ago, dude. Nope. Nope. Said a lot of these people are some of these people are still alive. So so effed up. So all right, man. So that'll do it for episode 63. Thanks for joining us on this trip back to the doo-wop era. If you want to hear more of all this awesome music and support the artist that made it. There's a link to the episode playlist in the show notes. Ryan makes a playlist for every one of the episodes we do. And while you're in the show notes, you can find links to our website, our email address, our social media pages, and a map to McCusker's Tavern in Philadelphia in case you're in town want to stop by and grab a cold one. That's it, man. Thanks so much for listening to us. And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Hey, Bruce. Yes, sir. Keep on rocking. Peace out. I'm just a
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 